So who are you? What do, what do you value? How would a person describe you? Where is your identity? You know, so much of our identity is placed in things that are temporal and, and empty. So where do you go to find meaning and true significance? Well, today we start a conversation with Stefan Wisniewski. Stefan was an All-American at Penn State and won two Super Bowls during his NFL career. But his career in football and those Super Bowl rings, well, they were never his primary focus. Here's the first part of my conversation with Stefan Wisniewski. Well, Stefan, thanks so much for joining us today, man. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I want to introduce you a little bit. Um, grew up here in the Pittsburgh area, right? Central yes, Catholic. Yes, sir. Uh, academic All-American at Penn State. It's a pretty big deal. Three times, actually. Three, <laughs> three times, okay. And then uh, talk about your NFL career. You get drafted, started with the Raiders, and just kind of go through your career. Yeah, I was blessed to uh, be drafted in the second round. Um, actually, my dad and my uncle were also second round draft picks, so that was kind of cool. Family Got in the family business um, in the same round, too. And your uncle played for the Raiders. My uncle did play for the Raiders, yeah. And so I grew up you know, cheering for the Raiders, watching my uncle. Um, so it was really cool to, to get a chance to play for you know the team I was cheering for as a kid. And so I'm blessed to draft it by the Raiders, played four years there. Didn't do a lot of winning, to be honest. Um, a rough stretch for the Raiders. Lost 16 games in a row at one point. That was, that was rough. Um, but yeah, it was a great, great to get a start there. Went on to Jacksonville for one year, and then three years with the Eagles, um, one year with the Steelers, and two years with the Chiefs. Okay. But was blessed during that time to... Uh, get to play, start in three Super Bowls and, and win two of them. So some pretty, some pretty incredible experiences. I was two was Super Bowl ranks. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, crazy experiences. You know, it's it's very hard to win one. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely, I'm just unbelievably blessed and grateful to, to have been able to win two. And um, they're both very unique, different different experiences. Philly, that was their first Super Bowl ever. So. Man, that was really cool to be a part of. That city mm -hmm. absolutely just lost their minds. They had been waiting for that forever. Like since there was a Super Bowl, they were waiting to win one. And uh, I was blessed to be, you know, one of the guys that helped bring it to them. So unbelievable experience there. That city just just was on fire. Um, really cool to, to be a part of that one. We're going to talk about spiritual identity. And one of the things I want you to share, you have a great story about your Super Bowl ring and start at Kansas City because you weren't with the Chiefs when the season started. So talk about that. And uh, that was quite a quite a year and quite an ending for you. Yeah. So the the journey for me between, you know, my first Super Bowl and my second um was was it was a rocky road. Um so, you know, twenty seventeen, I start at guard for the Eagles. We win a Super Bowl. Life life's great. Awesome, right? Um the next year the Eagles benched me halfway through the year. I think it was, you know, unfair. I was playing well, uh, political, well, other, other reasons other than performance, we'll say. Um, so I'm benched after that season, they cut me, then they rehired me and then cut me again. So I spent the beginning of that next season, uh, 2019 now unemployed, no team, um, haven't been cut right at the end of camp. And, you know, it was a frustrating time. Um, wasn't sure you know, if I'd ever get to play again, mm -hmm. kind of wasn't sure why this all was happening. I really, you know, had thought I had been playing well and, um, it was frustrating, confusing. Um, but you know, I, 
I can, I can say that I, I trusted God through it all. I praise God through it all. Even though my circumstances might've been kind of crazy up and down. Um, you know, I, I was stable because, you know, Christ is my rock and I believe my identity in him, um, anchored me, you know, and mm-hmm. helped me to, to stay stable through that, that kind of up and down storm. But sure enough, you know, six games in, I get signed with the chiefs and, um, you know, this is kind of just when they're beginning to build, um, toward the, the championship organization that everyone knows at them. Now they had lost in the AFC championship the year before, but they hadn't won a Super Bowl yet. And so they're a very good team, but it's kind of like, you know, how good can they really be? And sure enough, uh, that was, that was the right time to get there. (laughs) Um, but even that season, I kind of showed up and they had me on the bench for a while. I wasn't playing much, but towards the end of the year, God kind of opened up a spot for me through some injuries and was blessed to, to start the last two games of the year, played well enough. They let me kind of keep starting into the playoffs and started through our whole playoff run uh and and in the super bowl and and we won and beat the niners which uh unbelievable unbelievable experience so you go through all these ups and downs and you know everyone listening they got they got the roller coaster right you know they're they got things going on uh, it's a job loss it's a health uh issue it's a relationship issue uh, something's going on in life uh but you said through that all through all of that you understood where your spiritual identity was, that Christ was your rock. Talk just as we get started here, we're gonna we're gonna kind of break down some things with spiritual identity, but what does that mean? What does that word even mean? Spiritual identity and how important is it? Yeah, I mean identity essentially is who you are, right? Um but some people's identities are based on things that constantly change. So then who you are constantly changes. And, you know, your value or significance constantly changes. And to me, rooting your identity in anything other than Christ is, you know, you're just going to be riding the waves of whatever your Mm -hmm. circumstances kind of dictate as to your, you know, your temporary security, your temporary joy, your temporary peace. Um, But because Christ is a rock and an identity rooted in him is, is so strong and so firm that I, I do believe one, that's, that's the kind of identity God wants us to have. And he paints a clear picture of what that looks like in scripture. But to me, it's almost that we, we really have to like deeply believe that that's our identity. Mm-hmm. We have to remind ourselves that that's who we are. It's not enough to kind of intellectually know a little bit about it. It's gotta be like a deep heart belief that this is who I am in Christ. And because we're going to be confronted with so many conflicting identities, it's really a matter of reminding ourselves, repeating to ourselves who we are in Christ so that that's the loudest voice and the truest, realest voice to us. And we can kind of drown out the other competing mm-hmm. voices. Mm-hmm. When when you uh, retired, when you said, okay, this is it, not going back, not getting the call and don't want, don't want to get the call, uh, how did you work through that? You had your identity, and but like you say, you got to keep telling yourself this. Was that a hard thing for you to finally say, okay, that's over? I think for the most part, it was relatively easy. Um, there's parts of it that I miss for sure, but as far as my identity, like I never thought of myself as I'm a football player first and then like Christian is second or third or fourth. In my mind, I was always a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm an adopted son of God who... Right now, my assignment is I play football. 
And that was my assignment my whole life. Like, you know, from the time I was eight years old, I think probably a couple miles from here, South Fayette, <laughs> Mighty Might League, whatever it was. Um, and football was always something I did, not who I was. And it wasn't, it wasn't number one. That wasn't where I got my validation. That wasn't where I got my significance. Um, I got my significance in Christ. And because of that, when you took football away, you took away what was a big part of my life, but it wasn't the core of who I was. And that, mm-hmm. that makes it a lot easier to, to transition, I think. Now you're chaplain at uh, Penn State. That's got to be a pretty good gig. I love it. Uh, it combines my two favorite things, Jesus and football. <laughs> so, yeah, I enjoy getting to you know help the young, the young men on the football team grow and develop their relationship with Jesus. And obviously I've had similar life experiences to them, you know, playing at Penn State, understanding the pressures and and the difficulties they're going through, Mm -hmm. trying to be student athletes who who are walking for God in a a world and a culture that's really not right. So um, I enjoy getting to share what I've learned with them and getting to see them grow is is really rewarding. Mm -hmm. And talking about identity, I mean, these guys are like the best of the best. And then they get to Penn State and not the best of the best anymore. You are, you're all really, really good. Yeah. Uh, that's got to be like a shocker for a lot of these guys. Yeah. They, uh, there's like varying stages as they get there and they spend a couple years there, like stages of different trials that they go through. And the first one is, holy crap, I'm not as good as I thought I was. <laughs> right. Or like, mm-hmm. this isn't as awesome as I thought it would be. Right. Cause it's mm-hmm. hard. I mean, being a division one football player while going to school, like it, it's a lot of work and it's not as much fun as they probably thought it was. Right. Um, sure. Game day is fun. Right. Everyone sees that fans cheering, but mm-hmm. like there's 350 other days of the year where you got to grind 12 hours plus a day. And um, so I think there's that first shock, but then as they get going, even if they get some success personally, I think they kind of realize that, man, like, is this it? Like, is there more? Uh, we had a kid recently and he's younger kid, but big, big time recruit, right? Five stars. Everyone wanted him to to play for him. And I forget who was talking. Something made him realize he's like, you know what? Like if I didn't have football, he's like, I wouldn't have anything. And he starts coming around to Bible studies, asking questions, wanting to learn about Jesus. Cause he's like, he realized I need to have something else. Like football can't be my whole life. And like, that's just, I mean, that's just awesome that, you know, God's working in his heart and mind enough mm-hmm. to realize that, man, football can't be it. Um, football is a great tool, but football is a terrible God. If that's all you have, that's what you worship. That's what you live for. Football is going to let you down, mm-hmm. but but God never will. So a guy named uh, Timothy Keller, you know him. He just passed away recently. Yeah. I was listening to him on a podcast and he said, he said, if I could begin my ministry again, if I could start all over. He said, my focus would be spiritual identity because when when you finally understand, as you're saying, who you are in Christ, that, that changes everything. That changes um, the way we look at everything that happens in life. And I was reading uh, one of his books, uh, uh, Meaning of Marriage, and right before a great passage in Ephesians about marriage, of course, Paul starts with uh, five, you know, uh, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he gets into, you know, you mutually submit to each other, and then he gets into the roles of husband and wife. And, and I love what uh, Keller said. He said, 
he said the first, the picture of marriage, after, after, you know, you need to be controlled by Christ. He says, first, the picture of marriage given here is not two needy people unsure of their unsure of their own value and purpose, finding their significance and meaning in one another's arms. If you add two vacuums to each other, you only get a bigger and stronger vacuum, a giant sucking sound. Rather, Paul assumes that each spouse has settled the big questions of life, why they were made by God, and who they are in Christ. That's pretty pretty good stuff, right? Those yeah. are the two big questions. And we were we want to talk about those today. We're going to follow an acronym, uh, SAFE with two S's. Uh, in Christ, we are our spiritual identity. We're significant. We'll talk about that. We're secure. We're accepted. We're forgiven. And we're empowered. Uh, but Stefan, I want to start with the where you have to start, the main part, uh, in Christ. 86 times uh, Paul uses in Christ. And then if you add in Christ Jesus, I think you're up to 119 times. So repeat it over and over and over. Did you count all those? I, I counted everyone. That's what I was doing all morning to prepare for this podcast. <laughs> Great work, Ron. May have, thank you Someone's got to do the hard work. I just showed up. Man. I, may have missed, I may have missed a few. So. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> you know, there's so many times that Paul just drives that home. So let's just start with that. We're going to get the scripture in a second, but what does that mean to be in Christ? Well, it it means that I'm a part of Christ and He's a part of me, right? And you know, we only get in Christ by putting our faith in Christ, trusting in Christ. So before that, before I, I trust in Christ, I'm many ways out of Christ, right? I'm out of a fellowship with Him. Um, and our, our identity changes, right? We're talking about a Christian spiritual identity, right? But before we put our faith in Christ, that our identity is different, right? Because in Christ, I'm an adopted son of God. In Christ, I'm a co-heir of the kingdom of God. In Christ, I have a deposit of the Holy Spirit. In Christ, I'm more than a conqueror. But before I put my faith in Christ, I'm none of those things, right? Mm -hmm. So all these tremendous blessings that we're gonna talk about that come with a, an identity in Christ, they're only ours through faith and 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 so far as we are in Christ. So um Christians like it's it's like your dad is the wealthiest man in the world, but you gotta be willing to ask him for for some money, right? Mm -hmm. If you never ask your dad for money, it's like I I don't know, you're you're missing out on the benefits of having the richest guy in the world as your dad, right? And so we have to kind of access the blessings and benefits mm -hmm. that are ours in Christ. Um, we have to study our identity. We have to believe our identity. We have to meditate on it. And then we got to live out of it. Someone says, okay, you're talking about in Christ. You're talking about God is my father. Uh, what does all that mean? So Stefan, take just a second, just to, just to get this level playing field here. What does it mean to be in Christ as far as salvation goes? Just explain what it means to trust in Christ. You know, God loves us. He wants a relationship with us, but... Uh, God is perfect and God is holy, and we are not. We are sinners. The Bible says we've fallen short of the glory of God. God's standard is perfection, and we, we've we never hit it. None of us have ever hit that standard. We've all fallen short in one way or another, but really in, in millions of ways all the time, right? We're not worthy to enter the presence of a holy God, and so we're separated from him. But good news is coming, but God loved us enough mm -hmm. to send us on Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins that I deserved. For my sin, I deserved death. The wages of sin is death. But Christ 
took my place. We say he was our substitute, um, died in our place, paid the penalty we deserved, died the death we should have died, so that if we trust in him and his finished work on the cross, um, somehow God counts Christ's righteousness for me because Christ was perfect. He lived a perfect life. And if we put our trust in Christ, uh, we're washed clean, we're forgiven, and we're no longer separated from God. As I said, our sin did separate us from God, but once we put our faith in Christ, that sin is, is paid for. It is, it is washed away. It is forgiven. And we now can, can have close fellowship and, and relationship with God, mm-hmm. the, the creator of the whole universe. It's an unbelievable, unbelievable blessing and privilege. Life is a performance base. I mean, you play football and you get graded every, was it Monday or, or Tuesday, right? Yeah. You had a grade up there. Your performance yeah. counted. And so we're so performance driven. We get rewarded for what we do. And you're saying, I just trust in Jesus and all these things happen. Well, don't take my word for it. It's it's in the Bible, um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's countless verses that say that that's how salvation works. And in our flesh, like in our body, we want to take credit, right? So that's kind of why we feel like we need to earn it. Because if we did do something, then we could say, well, this is why I'm forgiven because mm-hmm. I did this, this, or that. Um, but the Bible is very clear. That's not how it works. You know, one of my favorite verses to explain that is Ephesians two eight and nine. For it is by grace we have been saved through faith. This is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. And we have not been saved by works so that no one can boast. And it's just very clear. We're, we're not gonna be saved by works. If we were saved by works, we could boast. We could say, I'm in heaven because I did this or I, I did that or I gave this money away or I helped this person. No one in heaven is gonna be bragging about what they did. We're gonna be in heaven saying, thank you God for forgiving me. I do not deserve to be here. Um, I'm a sinner, but only through through what Christ did am I able to to be forgiven. So, and again, you know, there's lots of verses, but John 1, 12 is another great one. To those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. So we see that identity there as a child of God, mm-hmm. but it comes on the other side of believing and receiving. It doesn't come on the other side of works. It, it, it comes on the other side of believing or, or trusting uh, in what Christ has done as the only only Savior of the world. So I'd like to go to a passage of Scripture, and we'll work our way through it. Let me read it. Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 4. Um, I'll start there. If then you have been raised with Christ, or since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. And then verse 3, my favorite, you, you have, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We'll come back to that one. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. And then in verse 5, Paul starts um, a whole list of things, then put to death, you know, these things like sexual immorality, impurity, passion. He gives a whole list there. The old writers uh, use the word mortify mortification of the flesh, right? Put put these things to death. So let's start with our position. Um, and I want you just to comment on this. Uh, in Christ, so this tells who we are in Christ. You have died with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. You're going to appear with Christ in glory, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So we've died, to, uh, died with Christ. The, the death that Jesus died as our substitute, as you said, we experience that. 
we've been raised to life with him, made alive in Christ. Uh, we're going to appear with him in glory. And then your life is hidden with Christ in God. Talk about that. I think that's a beautiful picture of what it means to be in Christ, hidden with Christ in God. Yeah, I mean, when you say hidden, I almost picture like like enveloped or like wrapped up in, right? Um, you could say like like a book, like you slid a piece of paper in and it's like it's closed on that piece of paper and it's like wherever that book goes now, that piece of paper that you put in there goes with it. And I mean, think about if you were hidden, your life was hidden in God, just think about what that would mean. Like one, I don't need to be afraid of anything ever because I'm... I'm, I'm covered by Christ. I'm covered by the living almighty God. So why would I ever fear? And two, um, man, I, I'm not worried he's going to drop me, right? If I'm in mm -hmm. God's hand, like who's going to take me out of God's hand? And there's passages that, you know, talk about that. The end of Romans eight comes to mind off the top of my head. But if, if I'm in Christ that no one's going to rip me out of Christ, um, and me staying in Christ, isn't going to be dependent on my own works in any way like I, I got into christ by faith in what christ did and i'm going to stay in christ because uh he's going to keep me in his hand philippians 1 6 right he who began a good work in me will continue it to completion so my journey once i'm into christ like he's with me through the rest of it mm -hmm. i don't have to worry he's not going to abandon me even if i wander for a period he, he's still gonna he's still gonna be working to to bring me back to him um but man, yeah, how beautiful is that to think that my life is hidden hidden with Christ and that uh, he's going to protect me, he's going to guide me, he's going to be with me no matter what I face in life. And mm -hmm. 5 through 10 Paul talks about putting to death uh, the sin in our life. But, but I think the key to that, really, he addresses earlier when he says, seek things above and set your mind on things above. In your career, you, you reached the pinnacle, right? I mean, you got... 60, 70, 80,000 fans every week packed into a stadium and they are fanatical about what you do. You get to do that. They're watching you. It would be easy, Stefan, to, to set your mind on those things, right? And get the significance out of that. Uh, we'll talk about significance in a second. But, but how do you set your mind on things above, on the things that are, that are important, on the things that are eternal? Well, first of all, I love that it's a command, right? And it's basically saying you get to choose what you think about, right? You get to choose what you look at and what you think about. And our natural inclination is just going to be to think about and look at the things of this world. Why? Because we can see them, right? When we talk about looking at things above eternal things, they're also invisible things, right? We see them through the eyes of faith. They're real. Not that they're not real, just we, we can't see them with our natural eyes. So it's always going to be harder to think about and and try to look at spiritual things, but it's a conscious decision, a conscious decision of the mind to daily and not just once a day, but many times a day, I'm going to choose to think about eternal things. And what does that look like practically? Well, the word of God is eternal. It's God's word. It's, it's a living word. Um, it contains promises and truths that are eternal and are alive. So when we read God's word or when we meditate on it, when we think about it, when we, we preach it to ourselves, that's a way to set our mind on on eternal things. And then prayer is is talking to the eternal God, right? So mm -hmm. we're humbly coming before him, 
to praise him, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for his help in our, in our lives. That's a, a way of setting our mind on eternal things. And, uh, those are, I mean, those are kind of the two simplest mm-hmm. and, and easiest, but also just having a, an eternal mindset when we deal with people, because the other eternal thing on earth is human beings are going to live forever, right? We have eternal souls. And so when we interact with people, we want to treat them with the utmost respect and dignity because they're an eternal being and, um, our interactions with them, um, man, they echo into eternity. Mm-hmm. Talk about the importance of being in God's Word every day, and just, just kind of share how you go through the spiritual. Uh, we, we often call it a discipline. I think sometimes when we think of discipline, we think you know a hard workout or something like that. But I'm what a privilege it is to be in God's Word, right? But the the consistency of meeting God, reading His love letter to us, and talking with Him, because that's so key in. Uh, preaching to ourselves, I love the way you say that, preaching to ourselves and reminding ourselves of who we are. God is reminding us of who we are when we're in his word. So drill down on that a little bit. Essentially, I mean, it's been my habit, you know, pretty much my whole Christian life. And I think all people who walk closely with God, this is true of them too, that they, they do spend time in God's word pretty much every day, whether every day, maybe take one day off, but it's it's got to be something you do regularly. Why? Well, we need it, um, consider it our, our spiritual food, right? It, it feeds me, it reminds me who I am in Christ. Um, but man, there's so many blessings and promises and commands and guides that we can study them our whole life and we're still not even gonna begin to be getting to the bottom of, man, how many great things there are about our God and about who we are through a relationship with him. And so I, I consider it like digging for treasure. Um, God's word is a treasure and you know what, there's, there's some, if you use the analogy of gold. So back in the day in in California, there was a gold rush, right? At first there's just gold sitting on the ground. You can just pick a little bit up and that's true of God's word. You, you spend a couple minutes in God's word. You can, you can get a little bit of treasure, but man, the more we're willing to study it, dig into it, analyze it, get together with other Christians, talk about, you know, what does this look like in our lives? Are you living out what, what God calls us to live out? Uh, the more, like I said earlier, we meditate on on these truths, the more they kind of move just from being intellectual down to our heart where we really believe them. Um, it's like we're, we're mining, we're digging, we're digging in the ground and, and we're finding more and more treasure the more we dig in to God's word. So it's gotta be a regular habit, we call it discipline, whatever, but it shouldn't be thought of as, oh crap, I got to read God's word. It's like, man, I need it. It's my food. It, it sustains me, but also it's a treasure. It, it brings me joy to read these unbelievable promises that, that God says about who I am in Christ. And if I'm not reminding myself of who I am in Christ, my identity is going to then kind of revert to whatever the world says about me. And those identities we get from the world are, they're going to let us down. They're weak. We will talk more about that later, but um, if I'm not regularly in God's word, reminding myself who I am in Christ, I'm, I'm going to forget. Talk about prayer. Uh, we, we, we always, uh, we always talk about, uh, prayer, you know, sometimes can, some people make it mysterious, uh, you know, some, uh, recitation of some sort, but it's just, it's just talking to God. The way I look at it, Prayer should be a regular part of our life as a Christian, you know, throughout the day. Bible says pray without ceasing, but 
man, I think of days, I, I try to start every day with a prayer, right? Once in a while you forget. And man, there've been times I get halfway through my day and I haven't prayed yet. And it's like, did I, did I just like do that day by myself? Did I just think mm. I could handle this day without God? Like, like what a shame to go halfway mm -hmm. through a day. And I didn't think about God yet. I didn't come before him, praise him. I didn't ask him for help. Um, it, it's, it's arrogant, right. To, mm -hmm. to ignore God by not praying and say, no, nah, God, I got this. I, I can handle this day. I can handle this problem, this life without you. Um, but on the other hand, man, if, if we humbly come before him and, and we have a conversation with him, uh, we get to know him better through those conversations, but it shapes our heart ultimately too. And not only does it shape our heart, but God really acts. Uh, the Bible mm -hmm. says he hears our prayers. He answers prayers and what an unbelievable privilege that the God of the universe cares what's going on in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, God's busy with something. He doesn't care about my problems. He does. He says over and over in his word, he wants to hear, uh, he wants his children to come talk to him. And as amazing of a privilege that is, um, we were crazy not to take advantage yeah. of that. So, um, in Christ, uh, let's go through this again. We use the acronym SAFE, two S's, significant, secure, uh, accepted, forgiven, empowered. Let's start with significance. Um, in Christ, we are significant. Talk about significance in Christ and, and what, what that means. How do you find your significance in Christ as a believer? Yeah, I love, I love what you started with that, you know, we look all kinds of places for significance and ultimately we, we come up empty in all those searches. Um, when I think of significance, I mean, synonyms are worth or value, right? We're looking for value. We're looking for people to say you're worthy, people to say you're significant. And the problem with looking to other people to say that is they might say you're significant today, but what about tomorrow? Like it, it's gone and then you got to earn it again. And it's, it's this performance-based significance that it's really just like a never ending run on a treadmill. Like you never arrive at, okay, I'm significant mm -hmm. in terms of the world, in terms of other people's opinions. And for me, like that's, what's so amazing about the Christian identity and the Christian significance is that God in Christ tells me I have infinite significance. I have infinite worth. I have infinite value. And so if I step onto a football field with the attitude of, I have no value until I earn my value today, I'm going to be pretty stressed out about that game, <laughs> right? Holy crap. I got to prove, I got to earn my value mm -hmm. today. But the way I did step on the football field, I used to pray this before games was, you know, God help me to play set free, knowing that you love me an unbelievable amount so much that even if I played the worst game of my life, it wouldn't change my significance. My significance mm -hmm. is measured at infinite. And even if I played the best game of my life, you can't add significance to a evaluation of infinite, mm -hmm. right? So if my significance is infinite in Christ, I'm loved by the, the God of the universe, that means I have infinite significance. No matter what happens with my performance, you can't add to infinite. And if you took away a little bit from infinite, you wouldn't notice, right? Because mm -hmm. it's infinite. So that's what an identity and a significance in Christ is, is that you're loved by the eternal God so much that he sent his son to die for you. Because of that, I have infinite worth. My identity as an adopted son of God, a co-heir of the kingdom of God, I'm going to inherit the kingdom of God. I'm going to rule with God in heaven someday. 
so what if I win some football games? Like, did that make my identity that much cooler? I don't really think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and, and some people in the world think that makes your identity cooler, but compared to those things I just said, it's like, yeah, I'm blessed to win some football games. I, I worked hard to win some football games, but I just do that for the glory of God because that's what he made me to do. I don't do that because I'm trying to earn significance because I'm already infinitely significant mm-hmm. in him. When we talk about significance, uh, so many passages we could look at. Uh, John 1 talks about I'm a child of God. John 15, I'm a friend of Jesus. That's that's amazing to think, right, yeah. that our Savior is also our friend. The eternal God who died for us on the cross is also our friend. Um, I've been justified. We're talking about that justified meaning. I've been declared not guilty and clothed with righteousness. I've been bought with a price. Uh, therefore, I can I belong to God. I've been rescued, redeemed, forgiven. Colossians tells us we can go on and on. There are a couple of verses I want to hit here. One is Ephesians uh, two. You mentioned Ephesians two eight through ten. For grace we're saved through faith, that not of ourselves, gift of God, not of works. And then uh, uh, two ten, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the works that God prepared beforehand for us to do. Talk about the amazing. Um, concept uh truth of being god's workmanship you know um no one like us to begin with a unique fingerprint unique voice print unique eye print you know you have a little baby 11 months old and no one no one like him no one like leo right and god says i love you so much that i have created you unique you are God's workmanship to do the things that he's already prepared for you to do. Think about, talk about the significance of being God's workmanship. Yeah. I love that you picked that verse. I've always loved that verse. And that I've, that translation workmanship, sometimes it's translated masterpiece, which I mm-hmm. think is even cooler. Um, workmanship kind of comes from like, you're what God does. Like God is constantly working mm-hmm. on us. And so I, I think of, you know, we're God's workmanship. We're his masterpiece. I think of it like, Think of one of the greatest artists of history, right? Michelangelo or whoever it is, right? Leonardo da Vinci, right? Think of like a sculpture and they're just, they're, they're shaping it, they're sculpting it, they're working on it and they're creating just this unbelievable, beautiful sculpture, painting, work of art, right? We're this work of art that God's working on and creating something beautiful. And just the fact that the God of the universe cares enough about me to spend time working me on me shaping me is that's amazing right that he cares about me that much but the fact that he views me as as a masterpiece is i mean that's unbelievable right um it gets me fired up even right now just thinking about that even though i've I've thought about that verse many many times but the god of the universe loves me enough to to work on me to create something beautiful out of me and why is he doing this well he loves me sure Um, but man, he has some good works for me to do. And if I'm willing to let him shape me into what he wants me to be, I'm going to be equipped and ready for those good works. But if I'm not letting, willing to kind of submit and surrender and let him kind of make me into what he wants me to be, I'm I'm not going to be ready for those good works. So to me, that verse is, it's an encouragement, um, of who I am in Christ, of my significance. And it's also a challenge to surrender and, and let the master, let the artist make me into to what he wants me to be so that I can accomplish what he made me to mm-hmm. accomplish. There's another verse I want you to I want you to talk about, Second Corinthians five, uh, nineteen to twenty one talks about that we are uh Christ's ambassadors. Um 
we are Christ's representative. We get to speak on his behalf. Now, sometimes we can take that and we can think, you know, how good am I that I get to speak on God's behalf? Not the point, not the point of the passage. Uh, but man, to be able to speak on God's behalf, God says, you're so significant that I trust you to take this message to 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 share uh, to share with others um, who I am and why you're on this earth and the whole aspect of identity. I remember a, a, a video that your father-in-law sent me. Um, you were leading after one of the Super Bowls. You were you were leading a group of guys in prayer, and you know a lot of guys could say, "Man, that's cool." Stefan used his platform for that. But I think you were thinking it's pretty cool that God would give me this significant moment to do it. So talk about being Christ's representative. An ambassador is it's a cool concept that you represent a bigger, larger, like, you know, powerful entity. Um, And the more bigger and more powerful the entity, kind of the more honor and the more respect kind of goes along with being an ambassador of that group. And, you know, if you're an ambassador for a big, powerful country, that's that's cool. That's an honor. Right. Um, for me, being in the NFL, in many ways, I'm kind of an ambassador, a representative for mm-hmm. the NFL. When I go places, do things, people look at you and you say, well, that's that NFL guy. Right. I reflect the NFL. I represent the NFL. And that's an honor to get to say that, you know, I, I was an NFL player. There's respect that comes with that. There's responsibility that comes with that. But when you take that that earthly example and make it spiritual, man, I represent the King of all Kings, the Lord of all Lords, the God of the universe, Jesus Christ. What an unbelievable honor and privilege, um, which gives me, gives me worth, right? That gives me, uh, value. It gives me significance that I can say I'm a representative of Christ. I'm his ambassador. I get to speak on his behalf. I get to carry his message and deliver Mm -hmm. his message to people. What a blessing. And it's a blessing. It's a message of life, right? It's a message of, hey, be reconciled to God. God offers you forgiveness. Like, I'm a messenger of good news, right? Um, at least offering good news. Uh, mm-hmm. Not everyone wants, wants the good news, but <laughs> I get to carry it. And so it's an honor, it's a privilege, and it's a responsibility as well. Um, you know, I want to represent my Lord well. I want to represent mm-hmm. my eternal country and nation well, the kingdom of God. So it's it's a responsibility as well as it is uh, an honor and a privilege. I like that. So our significance is both a, a great privilege and a great responsibility. All right. So significant in Christ, I'm significant and I'm secure. Um, talk about the time when you first understood that you were eternally secure, that nothing could separate you from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. You remember that time? Or was that kind of like you kind of always, that was part and parcel of coming to Christ? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't point to a specific time. I I, I, I realized that, but it was fairly early on um, in in my walk with Christ that I realized that, you know, this this wasn't going to change. I was in a relationship with God and that wasn't, going to be taken away that his love for me um nothing could separate me from it so Mm -hmm. it uh is an unbelievable kind of promise and 
in in reality um i think a lot of people in the world are have this fear and this stress because they don't know where they stand with god right and any kind of workspace religion is like well i hope i did enough good works to get in mm-hmm. but i don't know right and christianity and the bible is very clear that you know it takes faith believing and receiving trusting in christ to be forgiven and and we can know where we stand you know first john 5 i write these things to you so that you may know you have eternal life and to know that for that to be secure solid unchanging is unbelievably freeing you know mm. i don't have to go through life wondering how my story is going to end um i know how it ends i'm with god forever in heaven and because of that i feel like i can endure the ups and downs of life's better because i know how the story ends um the middle can look stressful at times can look dire mm-hmm. can look bad uh might be large periods that aren't super enjoyable inherently of mm-hmm. of the circumstance but i have this confident hope confident expectation that i know that the end is going to be gr- just great and amazing and because of that i think i can i can persevere and and rejoice mm-hmm. even um during the, the ups and downs of the middle all right so who are you what do you value where is your identity real meaning can only be found in jesus Jesus said, I I have come that you may have life and you can have it more abundantly. So thanks for joining us today and join me next time as we continue the conversation with Stefan Wisniewski about spiritual identity. Mm